ladies and gentlemen, please excuse my uh, my nasally voice this week. I'm just getting over a cold, and uh, I'm so congested. Oh, that's that's rough, Nick. <sighs> yes, it is. <laughs> you need Dr. McCoy to patch you up. Oh, man. If Bones was here to patch me up, I would be in such a good mood because I'd just listen to him complain for a few minutes, and it would put me in a good mood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God so damn speaking... it. <laughs> so speaking, of, uh, speaking of which, we have, a, uh, we have a, a story to read today. But before <laughs> that, do you know, uh, you know where Khan lives, Nick? Where... Where does Khan live, Sam? In a condominium. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that was. That was an excellent, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Sam Becker. <laughs> He'll be here all week. He, I'll uh, be done. <laughs> saying the same joke every night. Uh, uh, and that's why you get the uh, that's why you get the ballroom. You're not a you're not uh, you're not just in the lobby, you know, spitting the jokes. You you get the main you get the main uh, the main seat, you know. That's right. I'm a regular Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> Uh, as I uh, as said before, the, the 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 other voice is the beautiful Sam Becker. My name is Nicholas Hines. That's that is very correct. <laughs> and as usual, we are reading Star Trek: The Classic Episodes by Mister Jimmy Jimmy Blish. Jimmy Blish, the the one and only. He has the a. Greatest. Uh, I, I gotta say, there's not a lot of blishisms. We get one right at the beginning, a, a beautiful one, if I if I do say so myself. Uh, but uh, but no, this one's a very average. I I definitely think the ghostwriter was doing this one. Well, see, here's the thing. Uh, there are a couple in here. His de- his descriptions of men are incredible. Like <laughs> yes. I, I just I I, I the I glistening bodies. <laughs> I adore how he describes these men in like especially the supermen in this episode and also it has one of like the greatest uh, and then all that happened sort of like <laughs> digressions I've yes ever... oh yeah there's just like like and then this happened wait what it's just like no it already happened we're we're past that now <laughs> yeah we're past that point like it it really ramps itself up. It like goes from zero to sixty oh, in like a snap second, and then completely resolves itself. <laughs> yes, even quicker than yes. That. I can't wait to talk about the end of this story because like it's this. This is actually like until the end. This is actually pretty competent. <laughs> well, because it's following it's following the pacing of the episode up until the certain point where he's like he just presses the abort button but, on the yes. episode and it's like i gotta get out of this one. <laughs> just, just like i've taken too long this is a, i feel like maybe he was expecting to like write the rest of this story and then like he had a doctor's appointment so he was just like i'm just gonna <laughs> i'm just gonna finish this one up real quick it's it, it's gonna be fine everybody's gonna love it <laughs> 
<laughs> Oop, well, my uh, appointment with uh, Dr. Yeah. Blish is uh, here very soon. Oh, shit, I'm, I'm going to be 20 minutes late. And then they just got out of it. The end. <laughs> and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, he sits down with the doctor and the, uh, the doctor prescribes more brandy because this yes. is the 60s. Yes, it's just like, you know what, you need a little, be a little happier. Drink another scotch, uh, another another brandy. I mean, another glass of brandy on the rocks. Doctor's orders. That's right. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> so without further ado, the episode that we're reading today, if you didn't uh, if you didn't catch it on my joke, is Space Seed. Um, this is the Khan episode, written by Gene L. Coon and Carrie Wilburn. <sighs> Uh, or Carrie Wilbur, story by Carrie Wilbur, and the director was Mark Marky Mark Daniels. Oh yeah. First air day was February sixteenth, nineteen sixty-seven. That is that is very correct. <laughs> Couple days after Valentine's Day. Ooh, this is uh, obviously the romantic uh, Valentine's Day episode. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I mean, there is romance from a certain point of view. Kinda, yeah. It's kind of weird. I don't know how I feel about the romance in this this uh, book. It, it, it kind of feels like kind of like uh, domesticy and and weird. We'll we'll get to it because I remember this episode very well, and so uh, uh, like we can talk about this a little later. <laughs> um, but uh, the story begins. It was only sheer luck that marla mcgivers was on the bridge when the great SOS name came in marla mcgivers just wanted to say that real quick sorry keep on going <laughs> and uh there's there's another she's uh she's an officer on board the starship but also also she's a historian Probably nobody else on board the Enterprise would have recognized Morse code at all, since it had gone out of use around the year 2000, in the general chaos following the eugenics wars. But she was a student of the period, though Kirk thought she looked a good deal more like a ballerina. Ooh, and I think, ladies and gentlemen, that's as close as we're going to get to this this week's segments of Captain Car- Cap- Captain Picard, always, Captain Kirk versus sexual harassment. <laughs> It's like, hi, Captain, I'm a historian. Really? Because you look, look more like... like a ballerina. Yeah, you know, flexible. Ha <laughs> <laughs> What does that have to do at all oh, with, with, with the... anything in this episode? And the worst part is that's, that's as close as we get to a description for this character. So literally the entire episode uh, in my head she's just like in a ballerina costume because that's all the description she gi- they give us yup it's just that's literally she looks like a ballerina well thanks all right then uh does she have brown hair is is uh, you know what you know nationality she, she she's scottish like like what's what's the deal here nah, nah. ballerina ballerina so uh the sos signal is coming from the ss botany bay Oh, wait, 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 wait. Before we go any further, uh, Orhora didn't know Morse code. I thought she's supposed to be, like, a language specialist. 
I feel like they should, even though it went out in 2000s, it's like that's a military code. I feel like that's something you should have to know. But, but anyways. <laughs> that is very true. Like, uh, linguists, I think, like, if you're interested in language and stuff like that, you have, even though Latin is a dead language, you, yeah. you, you gotta learn Latin. Latin, so, I don't know, maybe you- that's just me. But uh, can you imagine if this was actually, like, era-appropriate messaging? Like, sir, there's something called AOL that's trying to instant message us from the SS Botany Bay. (laughs) Just here, you got mail. You got mail. (laughs) You got mail. Just like, can somebody turn that off, please? Uh, There's no option, Captain. You got mail. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, someone's trying to instant message us. Well, put it on screen. They're sending us a laughing emoji. I don't. I. What does that mean? What are they laughing I, at? Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, this is getting. I don't awful. take kindly to be l- being laughed at, Uhura. <laughs> oh God. But anyway, yeah, this is coming from the ship, the uh, SS Botany Bay. Um, and so they do like a life form sweep on it and they can see that they're about like 80 heartbeats aboard the ship, but there doesn't seem to be any breathing and none of them understand why that is. Like no, everyone's like, I don't understand why it would be that you have 80 heartbeats, but no breathing. It couldn't be that these people are in suspended animation, animation. you know, in the archaic 1990s, you know, and, uh, apparently in the you know 23rd or 24th century that's that's still like nothing it's like yeah ah. apparently not ah cryogenics what a laugh wow and uh they ask uh they ask uh, martha Mag- marla marla mcgivers uh um what she knows about the eugenics wars and she says yeah it was a thing that happened where scientists were trying to like genetically enhance people and they started choosing uh, like they started doing arranged marriages for each other and all of that like really came to a head and it nearly like destroyed the entire earth um and uh started the world war a lot of records were lost i'm surprised that any ship from that era ever got off the ground and kirk's uh natural uh, of course inclination, of course um seeing that there's a ship from the 1990s is well away team baby let's beam over there oh bones, yeah bones you're coming with us and uh, Bones' response to this is, why am I always included on these things? I signed aboard to practice medicine, not to have my atoms scattered back and forth across space by a transporter. You're included because we hear heartbeats, and that's your department. Let's go. And yes, that's that's literally it. Yep, boom. They're on the Botany Bay, baby. Yeah, uh... And, of course, they also bring Scotty and uh, Marla. Uh, so, of course, there's no main engineer on the ship now. The captain's yep. gone, and the lead medical officer is gone. It's okay. This is totally fine. And some <laughs> officer. Yeah, and a red shirt, pretty much. Yeah, a red shirt historian. <laughs> um, they find everybody, surprise, surprise, in suspended animation. Oh, which wow. Which seems to, like... Which, it really blows their minds. They're yeah. like, wow. Wow, this is like, so, I, I, I wonder if it's more like, well, they're surprised because it's so archaic, 
they're the means of of the cryogenics or if they're just like wow it works or like and of course they don't they, there's no more explanation to that there's we never really see cryogenics in the star trek universe it's i don't know i feel like that would be very interesting to talk about and to learn about how that works yeah. yeah i mean the only other episode that i can think of um like that is there's an episode of the next generation where a whole bunch of people from the 21st or the 20th century uh like were frozen and uh, dr crusher like fixes all of their wounds um and it turns out like one of them was a country music star that overdosed on drugs and another had cancer i do remember that that episode yeah and then there's the businessman or something like that that yes there's the businessman that like figures out what the romulans are doing yeah a businessman he's good at business just like see these men are running an excellent business (laughs) (laughs) yes uh so everyone's looking at the cryogenics like they they turn on one of the systems and uh the light pours on uh uh into like a a little coffin like thing on the other side bathed in a gentle violet glow was a motionless naked man he was extremely handsome and magnificently built his face reflected the sun-ripened Aryan blood of the northern Indian sheiks, with, with just an additional suggestion of the Oriental. Even in repose, his features suggested strength, intelligence, even arrogance. How beautiful, Marla said, as if to herself. This man is clearly in his vital 40s. <laughs> it's like... That is, I mean... I don't think we've ever gotten such a description before. No, that was a deep, deep, deep description of a vital Aryan man. Man, definitely. Who's also Indian with a hint of Oriental. It's, oh my god. Uh, I, Mr. Blish was definitely just like, oh yeah, God. He saw a picture of Ricardo Monteblan and he's like, that is the perfect man. Man. He's just like, God damn, look at how vital he is. If Ooh. only I were to be so vital. vital. And he goes to the doctor, how can I be as vital as uh, Ricardo Monteblan? Well, it's it's Brandy, mostly. <laughs> I I love that it's specifically, though, Aryan blood. You yes. need to know this. He has Aryan blood running through him. It's, it's, uh, it's spectacularly bad. It's like, what is, Why? Oh my god. And, and there's no, there's, uh, one of the things that I, I, I really, uh, depress me about this, uh, book is that we'll never get any of these questions answered. No. None of these, we'll never even get close to getting a, any question ever answered. So, <laughs> oh, I wish it's, I could ask him so many things. <laughs> I know, uh, it's, it's incredible. Uh, so, like, the, uh, the life support system starts powering down, um, and it seems to be reviving him, but then his heartbeat starts slowing. Dr. McCoy is like, oh, we're going to have to get him to the lab real quick. And Marla goes, oh, no. It's literally, oh, no, Marla oh, no. said. Oh, no. And uh, then of they course. beam him. Of course, they yes. beam him back. <laughs> yeah, they beam him back. He's uh, a human and- life. We have to beam him over. Yeah, of course. Like we gotta, we gotta beam this uh, 
this stacked built gentleman who is probably jacked as well oh yes he's definitely jacked he is he is the most beautiful specimen that kirk has ever seen (laughs) oh definitely i'm almost Um, positive somewhere in this in this story they say something about him being jacked i'm almost positive i remember reading that it's uh yeah the sad Um, thing is is that it's very possible it's more likely that it does happen than it's unlikely that it didn't especially in this book (laughs) yeah and so they're back on the enterprise and kirk asks uh spock hey so what uh what do you make of uh the botany bay uh the name of the botany bay and and spock is like i don't know and kirk says well that was the uh name of a penal colony on the shores of australia uh, is that of some significance? And Spock just sort of like hand waves that away. Like, oh, that's not of any significance. Like, the Earth was on the a precipice of the Dark Ages, on another Dark Ages. So, like, records are lost from around that area. It probably has nothing to do with that. Which is like, I, I guess that is in with the, that is within Spock's character to like sort of hand wave away symbols like symbolic naming of things Mm. but it is he does sort of like it's almost a looking down upon that sort of idea yeah it 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 may be totally just because it's in text but but i don't know that seemed very like just like rude of of spock yeah they go into uh uh the sick bay uh, and Marla McGivers is watching Khan in the sick bay, and Kirk takes the time to chastise Marla McGivers for being attracted yes. to Khan. Yes, there's like a whole two paragraphs where like she actually has to apologize. Like, I'm sorry, I'm attracted to him. It's like he says, Lieutenant, if I were forced to rate your performance as a member of the boarding party today, I wouldn't give you a very high mark. <laughs> At any at any one time, the safety of this entire vessel can rest upon the performance of a single crewman. The fact that you may find a strange man personally compelling <laughs> is the worst possible excuse. Uh, <laughs> and it's and, like, and like her her explanation isn't just like, well, I'm also a historian, so how could I not find him interesting and beautiful? And it's just like, well, that's. That's no better a response than Kirk's, but... Yeah, it's like, to find a, a specimen from the past alive, the sheer delight of anticipating what he might tell me. More than that, Kirk said, men were much more adventurous then, bolder, more colorful. <laughs> it's just so like, you're not helping. He's basically devolving into this, like, kind of self-loathing sort of thing. Yeah, he's just like, how dare you be so attracted to this beautiful man? This beautiful... You beautiful ballerina, you should be attracted (laughs) to me! I know, it's it's incredible. Uh, And then, like, Marlo McGiver's thoroughly embarrassed by her own attraction to Khan leaves, and then McCoy says, it's a pity that you wasted your life on command jim you'd have made a fair psychologist it's like excuse me like what i i guess oh my god it's inc- it's just it's awful it, it's like it's not even like anything kirk said was just like i see obviously you're attracted to this man 
So you can't be doing your job right. No, it's like she she was just worried about this like person. Like, I don't know. Mr. Blish, once again, another question gone unasked. But unanswered. Unanswered, unanswered. sorry. <laughs> unasked and, and unanswered. unanswered. <laughs> um so the next scene is that Khan is awake, but he was indeed awake. Vitally awake. <laughs> Yes! We do get a vital. We do get a vital. Vitally awake. I just, I love the way uh, Khan talks in this. Uh, It's, like, I can definitely hear him, like, speaking, like, some of the weird ways that, like, he puts things. Yeah. Um, He goes on to, you know, Kirk, of course, welcomes him. He's just like, I've been told I've slept for two centuries or more, and I'm on board a real starship, not a makeshift like mine. What is our heading? Uh, would you give me your name first, Kirk asks. No, no, I would not. I have a responsibility. If you indeed are a commander, you'll recognize it. Where are we going? I love that that Khan is... I, I don't remember this episode as well as you do, but I love just how Khan is just right out of hibernation. He's already just like, okay, I gotta do this, 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 and this. Like, he's he's definitely like like this superior being that, that yeah. they were that these uh, scientists back in the day were trying to make. Kirk, you know, just tells him, you know, we're on our uh, we're on our heading is Starbase 12. We want to, you know, see how you would do before we reanimate the, your entire crew. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, he finally, you know, apologizes and uh, says, you know, my name is Khan. I am the command of the Botany Bay Colonization Exposition. I think perhaps I can answer your question better if I knew your period, your terminology, and so on. Perhaps something to read during my, uh, I don't even know that word, com, you have any idea, convalescence? Mm-hmm. Uh, convalescence? Convalescence. Oh, well, aren't you being, uh, very, uh, smart, uh, Mr. Blish? I bet he, that put a feather in his camp. Ah, yes, uh, convalescence. Mm-hmm. Uh, would serve uh, history, technology, what whatever's available, and of course, what does Kirk do? He gives Khan everything he wants and uh, lets him read uh, all from the ship's libraries, right in his own quarters. Of course, he does. Um, and then Khan pretends to fall asleep in the middle of the conversation. <laughs> yes. Just like, oh. He's like, I I have two hundred years worth of catching up to do. I and then he just falls asleep. And, uh, and McCoy says, well, I'm glad he has some human weaknesses. So McCoy feels so bad about himself just looking at Khan that he's glad that the dude passed out. Right? It's just like... And, uh, he got, Kirk goes to Spock and he's like, uh, you got anything? And Spock says, nothing about a starflight until the Alpha Centauri expedition of 2018. 2018. Nice. We did it! Nice, yeah, I can't wait until Alpha Sanctuary, uh, goes on its expedition, uh, I hear it's, I hear it's, uh, going to, uh, to fly very soon. It it will, and then (laughs) when it flies, it'll fly hard. (laughs) And long. And, uh, Spock asks him what he thinks of Khan, and Kirk says, if I wanted a Superman, he's very much the kind of outcome I'd shoot for. I bet you would, Captain. I bet you would. 
Exactly, Captain. He is almost a stereotype of an Earthman's dreams of power and potency. And from what I can put together from the fragments of the record, just the kind of man who precipitated the chaos of the 1990s. I love that. I love thinking of this guy being like a Superman, be like, like in the grungy 1990s and everything, just like, ha ha, yeah, man, I'm the best. He, he's gonna kill everybody. Well, plays in the background. Oh no, I was gonna say, Smash Mouth. Hey now, you're rockstar. I think that's definitely playing, or at least in one of the cities, he's definitely listening to that while he destroys it. Somebody once told me the eugenics wars were gonna roll me, and I am the sharpest tool in the shed. Don't don't start this. I'll start making up awful lyrics, and this will be the next like five minutes. <laughs> um, and why not? <laughs> why not? Oh uh, God, I, I I don't know if I could do it. I I don't know if I would allow this episode to go up. Then this the, it yeah. would get a little cringy. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, well, we go on and, and Kirk, or no, Spock uh, goes on to say, you know, uh, there were a lot of um, uh, supermen that, you know, kind of went missing around that time. Kind of like uh, 80 of them or so. Uh, yeah. With, with no trace, uh, no bodies found. I uh, mm -hmm. think that's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. Kinda. Uh, and so, uh, so they pretty much start talking, you know, just like, like, uh, 80 Napoleons all still alive, and, uh, 79 of them are in tow and one on board. Precisely, Captain. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so, you know, they just pretty much are just like, well, we'll, we'll have to see what Lieutenant McGibbon suggests that we do. Yeah, and she goes, why don't we have dinner? Yes, that's the best part. It's just like, dinner. And Maybe Kirk's literally just like, hmm. That's a of good course. idea. Although Kirk suspected that Khan had already made his first new conquest in the new century. But there were no regulations against romance in any, and in any event, Kirk had nothing better to suggest. <laughs> so this is like this is where it deviates oh from, yeah from the the episode because uh like there's an, in, an extended sequence where it shows that like marla mcgivers has though she is a historian is sort of obsessed with conquerors like napoleon and like uh it, it just she's obsessed with that kind of powerful person and so, like, Khan, this is where we talk about the uh, um, the romance section of this. Oh. Because Khan, Khan kind of bullies her into becoming, like, romantically involved with him. Uh, that's uh, that's funny that you say it like that. I, I could definitely see how it comes like that. I, I feel like, yeah, it's kind of like that. I just feel like she's, like, um... I guess that would be the best way. Like, I feel like the entire time he's just like, you love me, right? And she's like, of course. Yeah. There's, there's nothing else. There's no other way. Yeah, it's, it's, he just sort of bullies her into it. And also, it, 
she she she's kind of fascinated by conquerors but it's it's definitely not a healthy romance ladies <laughs> no. and gentlemen no not at all um and then we get a dinner party scene yeah yes of course the dinner party probably the most exciting part of the entire story yeah uh and Honestly, all that happens in that entire scene is uh, Spock is just trying to make him mad to see how far he can push him. Uh, and it just, uh, to me, this entire section of this, like, this entire scene, it, it didn't really make a lot of sense until the conversation after the scene. Yeah. Um, because pretty much what happens is, is Kirk's just, you know, Kirk, like... Uh, Kirk actually asked Spock, you know, like, what what was going on in there the whole time? I was up to you to a point, and then you lost me. Yeah, because Spock is... Spock just spends the entire uh, uh, dinner just, like, grilling Khan and saying, you don't feel fear, and Khan's like, no, I don't feel fear at all. And uh, um, he's like, it's really... And and so Spock is like, well, that's weird because all humans need, like, beings need fear to uh, to survive, and it's just it's a weird it's a weird weird conversation. And uh, then they say they say Khan's full name in this story, which is Sabal Khan Noonan, which is not the character that is within the actual episode, which is Khan Noonan Singh. So it's weird, and I, I think this is very interesting because this is not the first time that we have had a uh, uh, a name change on the episode, where it's like we had uh, the friendly neighborhood R. Dyken. Oh yes, uh, and we had uh, um, a couple other side characters, and so I have to wonder if like these are names that are within the scripts or the notes for the episodes and james bush is going off of that but they changed it during the shooting of the episode or if it's if it's just james bush is like con noon and sing that's a dumb name, name. i'm gonna change yeah. it to Sabal i'm gonna make con it my own noon. thing yeah um I on, honestly, that's like one of the the biggest questions uh, I think I have with Mister Blish is just his uh, is questioning his descriptions, yeah. and I think we've said that multiple times in this show. But it's just it's something that is so like there's times when you're literally in the Enterprise. I feel like I'm with Kirk in the situation. And then all of a sudden, within a page flip or within a paragraph, all of a sudden it'll be like, okay, all of a sudden we're taken out of the story, and now it's just like, okay, and then Mr. Blish wanted this to happen. And so I then I feel like I'm getting, like, told everything from, like, a narrator's perspective. And it's just like, wait, what happened? Where's the disconnect here? Yeah, and, and per your... Um, uh to to follow up with that as you said we get an actual um uh a, a uh, example of that because the very next scene there's an alarm in general quarters and then the very next scene is almost all dialogue and we don't know until like the very end of the scene where exactly this is all happening but it turns out that like khan has escaped from his quarters and he cuts off all the oxygen oh in yeah the, 
in the bridge but it's all it's all dialogue so it's like abram's insecurity khan's missing mccoy here khan's not here transporter room here we have a guard slugged lieutenant adamski is missing and there's been a lot of power expended in the last half hour um and it just uh, goes on yeah. and on like that and it's it's so weird because uh, literally right before this is, you know, uh, Spock was just, you know, uh, pretty much probing Khan, and then McGibbons is just like, I can't believe everybody's being so rude, and then they leave, and literally Kirk and Spock have the conversation we were just talking about where they're like, um, oh, uh, oh, he's just going to, uh, uh or, no, it's, I'm sorry, they have the conversation where they're like, um, Spock, I, I don't understand what's going on. And then all of a sudden, all this dialogue just starts happening. We're in a brand new scene. There's no cut in, like, okay, we're, you know, switching scene. There's no transition. It's just like, Abrams is security. Captain, Khan's missing. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. All you had to do was add, like, a little description, like, Kirk swiveled in his commander's chair Chair. looking at Uhura. Even if they just did the... I, I. think it's called uh, ellipses or you know like like when you get the three dots in the at yeah. the bottom you know that mean it's there's been a passage of time even that that would have been a good way to do it anything it's it's weird but yeah the the oxygen gets cut off in the bridge they all pass out they wake up in the briefing room and khan and his men are all awake the men from the Botany Bay were inarguably splendid-looking specimens. Large, strong, healthy, handsome, and above all, alert. I should have been, and above all, handsome. And above all, handsome. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's, that's probably the most attractive quality in a man, in a man is their alertness. This, Just whether uh... or not, a, like, if there's a snake in the grass, like, they'll see it. Like, they'll get it. Don't worry about that, ladies. Don't worry about that, ladies. Khan's got it. they're alert. Khan's got it. Um, and Khan isn't getting what he wants because he wants everyone to, like, keep doing their jobs and set a course for a new planet that he wants because he wants to conquer and rule. Everybody says, we don't really feel like doing that. And so Khan is like, well, then we'll just take, it, take uh, Kirk to the pressurized room. And uh, we'll just lower the pressure and lower the pressure until he dies. And Marlo McGivens is like, wait a second. Khan the Conqueror wants to kill people to conquer things? I never knew. And literally uh, in another page turn, Kirk is literally about to go in this chamber, gets, gets put in, and all of a sudden, the door opens. And... And one of the supermen are now on the ground. Marla has knocked him out with uh, a wrench, which she is holding oddly in her hands. Right before then, I did want to point this, oh, yeah. th- these these two sentences out. As he gets thrown in the, uh, what is it called? The uh, pressurization yes. thing. His chief emotion was anger at being put through asphyxiation twice in one hour. There seemed to be nothing to do about it, however. So, like, Kirk's like, man, I'm really upset about being asphyxiated. Yeah. There's a line break. There seemed to be nothing to do about it, however. So it seems like 
He's he's really angry, and then he just goes, uh, and he shrugs his shoulders. Yeah, and he's he just, just like, waits. Mm, nothing really I can the, do about it. So yeah, he waits for the sweet release of death. death. I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's just like uh, just like anybody got a cigarette? Like, come on, just one yeah. last. <laughs> I it's it's the weirdest thing. Um, so then like Marla knocks the other guy out with a wrench, and Kirk's. Uh, <laughs> Kirk's uh, Kirk's response. She asks, "Are you all right?" And Kirk says, "I think so. The pressure didn't have time to drop much. I'm glad to see you're good for something." Ouch! Ow! <laughs> so, so obviously he didn't like her idea of dinner. Didn't no. like like that that she knew Morse code, and started this whole episode. But she hit a guy with a wrench. Oh, thank God you're good for something. Well, yeah, because Kirk only thinks in violence, so. <laughs> of course. A violence and uh, the the uh, the vitality of, of uh, mid-40s men. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, Marla asks, promise me you won't kill him. And Kirk says, no promises. I think I'm about to bag myself some choice items for some zoo. That's what he thinks of these these fine, handsome specimens. specimens. There is a larger page break to show the passage of time. And this is the very next sentence, or the next couple sentences. It was not all that easy. Before it was over, one of the supermen was dead, and almost everyone else on both sides was considerably banged up. At last, however, the survivors from the Botany Bay were locked in a hold, and Kirk and his officers reassembled in the briefing room. That's the end. We are... Kirk saved, whole ship saved. It literally glosses over. It goes from him being saved to... And then all this stuff happened, and Kirk is okay, and everyone's okay, and they're all locked up. Yep, and now it's uh, time to wrap this story up. It is time to wrap this story up. And I, I mean, yeah, I don't know how you could jazz up the description, because, like... At the end, uh, there's a big fight between Kirk and Khan, and it cuts from close-ups of, like, the actual actors fighting each other, like, in grips, like, they're grasping each other, and they're uh. making, like, straining faces, and then it, it'll cut to a wide shot of a guy that kind of looks like Ricardo Monteblon and a man who is obviously at least 20 pounds lighter than William Shatner with yes! a thick head of hair fighting fighting the con body double like oh, two body beautiful. doubles fighting each other and then it ends with Kirk pulling out a PVC pipe and beating Khan to near death like it's literally he he pulls a PVC pipe out of the wall and, like, wails on Khan's back for a while until he collapses. Okay, so why did we not get to see all of that or read all that? I I feel like we could have gotten some sort of description, not literally, you're safe, and so is the ship. We learned a valuable lesson today. Don't trust and that people. Is, I, and that is, I, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what other message they would... It's literally just like, don't help stranded people. They're probably monsters. Yeah, I guess. And uh, they they give Khan a little trial, and they say, "Well, you can either be like repurposed at the uh, at the star base that we're going to, which never heard that term used before. This like uh, uh, 
Um, uh, yeah. To be put ashore on this world with a minimum of survival equipment, or to be taken to Starbase 12 to be assigned to rehabilitation. So, uh, do you want to rot, or, uh, you want to be a part of society? Yeah, and, uh, Khan's response is, I suppose you will remember what Lucifer said when he fell into the pit. I remember it well. I take that as your answer? It is. And then, uh, it may interest you to know that System Officers McGiven has given the choice of standing court-martial or sharing your exile, and has chosen to go with you. So, obviously, we've gotten rid of this red shirt. Don't have to worry about her becoming a main character. Yeah, don't have to worry about uh, Marla McGivern's... uh, Ever again. Ever again. Because she isn't in the the movie. No, because she is used... uh, Her death is used to show, like, Khan spiraling into sort of, like, uh, craziness. Yeah. Um, So, uh... Yeah, and uh, she says, I'm sorry, Captain, but I do love him. And uh, Kirk is like, I wish you luck, Lieutenant Stockholm Syndrome. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Literally, I wish you luck, Lieutenant. Yep. See you later. And then, like, I'm pretty sure he goes, all right, guards. And, like, literally just that they all just go onto the transporter, and it's like, see you later. Yeah, and then then Scotty makes uh, uh, his, his second appearance. Where he says, uh, it's a shame for a good Scotsman to admit it, but I'm not up on my Milton. What did Lucifer say after he fell into the pit? He said, better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. That is a nice line. That is a nice line. It is a nice line. And then uh, he says, whenever I say historian, I have to repress a shudder. Like... Like Jesus, this one bad, uh, uh, <laughs> bad experience with a historian, and Kirk's gonna swear himself Self off. off. Stories. I hate history now. I never want to learn anything ever again. And Spock says it'll be interesting to come back to that planet in a hundred years to see uh, how they've progressed. And Kirk is like, "Well, let's just hope that they don't grow uh, out and start coming looking for us." Bum bum bum. Yep. Little did. Little did they know that there would be an entire movie dedicated to Khan coming back after him. Uh, which is actually I I I like it. I like Rafikon. Do you like Rafikon? Oh yeah, it's a great movie. I would definitely agree with that statement. All the even movies are excellent. Absolutely. Two, four, and of course, Generations. Ah, <laughs> uh, excuse me. <laughs> uh, Generations is definitely not the worst Star Trek film, but it's definitely not the best. No, I think the worst Star Trek film has to be Nemesis. It, it has to be. Mm, I don't know. I almost wanted to fall asleep during uh, during the search for Spock. But at least the search for Spock is almost like a ninety-minute, like, addendum to Wrath of Khan. Yeah, it's not even a, a a movie movie. Yeah, I would suppose. Obviously, you uh, well, I uh, you know my favorite movie is uh the Voyage Home number four. Oh, of course. Yeah, it's the best one. Um, H- hello computer. <laughs> computer. Hello computer. 
it, it has a keyboard. Oh, how quaint. <laughs> Starts yep. typing at, you know, Mach 5 speeds. I yep. love that. Oh. It's, it's interesting because it almost sort of retcons, um, maybe not totally retcons, but it, it, it almost retcons the history in this this episode where it's like through like the late 80s, early 90s and 2000s, there was a massive eugenics war that destroyed civilization. And in the voyage home, they go back to like late 80s yeah. San, San Francisco, oh, right? Dude, you just blew my damn mind. And everything is the same. same. Everything's, Everything's fine. Normal. Everything's uh, you know, fine. Every everybody gets a double dumbass on you. you know? <laughs> That's right. The Star oh. Trek uh, lore people working on those movies get a double dumbass. Oh, on them. oh yeah, yeah, they do. Whoever was doing that, it would, like should get fired. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's an interesting story with uh, five. Real quick before we end, uh, yeah. I'm almost positive that they only had like a week or two to write the script for the fifth movie i'm serious uh because it was right before the 90s or or, or late 80s uh writer's strike happened ah, so uh you. it's like that movie i know it's like halloween 4 and there's like two other films that are like all like the same level of awfulness and it's all because they were all made from anywhere from one month to uh two weeks man that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but that's why we we have the beautiful film that is Star Trek V: The Undiscovered Country, directed <laughs> by William, William Shatner. Shatner. Uh, William Story Shatner. By William, William Shatner. Shatner. Uh, that's why he uh, he got the um, you know the best performance out of himself. He's just like I you know I got the best performance out of myself in Star Trek V because I knew exactly what I wanted. I think That's... he actually says that in an interview. I'm not joking. Oh, no, I think I remember that. And I remember uh, as a kid going through the special features of that DVD, and they have, like, they have these these uh, Shatner, like, William Shatner's uh, video journals where it's just him sitting in front of a camera, yes. like, monologuing. Yes. And even as a kid, where I would watch literally anything behind the scenes. Like, I watched all of the behind-the-scenes content of the prequels, and that stuff is a drag, too. Oh, my God. And, and that was too boring for me. <laughs> I got five minutes into his first video journal, and oh. I'm like, I cannot deal with this. Uh, I watched, I think, the first two of them, and I was like, I'm bowing out after this one. No. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, on that note, uh, maybe we'll talk more about Star Trek movies another time because they're definitely worth talking about for more than five minutes at the end of a episode. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, next uh, next week's episode is a taste of Armageddon. Not to be confused with the uh, uh, Def Leppard song Armageddon. It. Oh, I want to boo, but I'm, I'm too nice of a guy. I'm not going to. Uh, I love you, Sam. <laughs> You're really getting it. Yes, Armageddon it. Armageddon it. Oh, Armageddon it. <laughs> that's, uh, that's exactly correct, yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you like what we're doing, please give us a like, a comment, a subscribe, whatever you can do to help us on out. Uh, we'd love right. to hear your suggestions and all that good stuff. Indeed. 
Uh, you can follow me on Instagram if you want for some reason uh, at mm-hmm. Heinz underscore Ketchup. Uh, and uh, I'm Disney's Dead Beat Dad on Twitter. Uh, oh yeah. But uh, have you posted the uh, Kirk stand up on your your? Uh, oh your dude, Instagram not yet. I'll do it. I will do it this week. By next Good. week, there will be there will be one. I'll put up first the uh, I'll put up the little Spock I have the Spock counter, yep. uh, who's holding the VHS tape. So uh, that's <laughs> yes. awesome. Uh, yeah. And then I'll do the Kirk. Excellent. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to us ramble on for another episode. We always enjoy doing this, and we hope you enjoy listening. Live long and prosper. And peace and long life. And we out of here.